welcome to another VRL USA podcast. Um, this is a fairly special one, um, occasioned mostly by doings in the transfer market. So this is Alan, and I'm joined by Zach Hicks, who will be taking over from me as site manager at VRL USA. Welcome, Zach. Thank you very much. Good to be here. And then I've got Robin Stacy um, with us from England. Welcome, Robin. Yo, thanks for having me. (laughs) So, I mean, we were kind of, you know, same thing happens every transfer, every January transfer window. Senior Roy says, "Eh, you know, we kind of don't really want to do anything. We're kind of hoping nobody comes in and grabs any of our players. Um, Leon um, come in for Toko Ikambi, which may or may not have been, you know, whether there's more to that, I don't know. But sounds like Toko wanted out. And uh, wanted to go back to France, and Lyon obliged. And now, a week later, we've transformed Toko Ikambi into Paco Alcacer. And we're all going, wow, <laughs> who saw this coming? Uh, I mean, yeah, <laughs> for me, I'm not even 110 sure why we've actually bought him, to be honest with you. Um yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna adopt the, the cynical approach on this, this slight podcast that I'm not really sure why we needed him. I, I know we lost Toko, but I think, felt we already had quite a lot of attacking options really. Um without being really, really cynical, I, I would have loved us to just put the money into a left back to be honest with you. I, I really don't think we needed attacking. Like Gerard's an incredible player and unless we're planning on playing 4-4-2, I'm not 100% sure where this new chap will actually play. Um, and if he'll get all the minutes and all the time that he had at like Dortmund or whatever, um, I like Gerard a lot, and I think all our goals come from him. So I, I can't really see why we've invested in him. Really, like I said, I think a, a left back would have been priority for me anyway. Um, I'm glad we haven't lost anyone, and I don't think losing Toko will have a massive effect on the squad. But I just felt it was a bit unnecessary. I mean, I haven't even seen how much we've actually paid for him. Um, but yeah, I'm not entirely sure why. And I really like Fernino, so I, I know he's just very young and stuff, but I think him and him challenging backer for the second team striker. I mean, you think how much Toko didn't really play very much and backer has barely had minutes on him and that's all because Gerard's been in really good form. So I think it's a bit unnecessary myself, but uh, I'll let you two also have your judgment without me being too cynical. <laughs> well, I think you, I think you raised some good points. I mean, um, and I think, I mean, Zach, are you kind of, are you sort of cynical? Maybe not as much, or are you kind of, what do you, what do you think about it? Well, I have, I have questions as to what the formation looks like from here, because obviously Gerard has to play. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, and so I kind of wonder if we're going to go back to a two at the top, like we did the first time KAI was managing here. Right. And if we do that, I think it would actually create a lot more space in the middle which would allow our offensive strategy, which basically boils down to give Santi the ball and hope he does something miraculous, uh, a better chance of actually working. Um, and if we if we go back to a top two, then it doesn't create problems for, for Nino either because he's probably better than Baca at this point. And then you've got, you know, enough places dedicated to strikers to actually get everybody minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. we do need we do need a left back. Um, but here's the thing: according to Understat, we've got the second highest expected goals in La Liga this season, and we're underperforming that by like five goals so far. So if we can, it, Paco, for his career, with the exception of his first six months at Dortmund, hits his uh, expected goals like right on the nose every single season. Uh, his first six months at Dortmund, he went crazy and scored a ton of goals. But point being, you know that he's going to score the chances he's supposed to score. And if we get that added to the chance creation we already have in the offense, I do think it makes us a better team. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I think the thing I would say about it is, from my standpoint, I almost feel like it was a deal that we couldn't refuse because – He's a, you know, he's a quality player. He is an excellent finisher, which I think, you know, I think Toko Ikambi certainly his strength was more in 
playing along the sides and, and cutting in and, and feeding passes or, you know, using his speed. He wasn't a great finisher. I think, I think Alcacer is probably the best, is one, is, is a better finisher than, than, uh, you know, most of our other, our other players have been in recent years from, from what I remember of seeing him, um, play. And, but I think you're probably right, both of you, that it's like this pretty much means we have to go to a 4-4-2, um, unless you do something like you have a, um, you have some, some, some formation with, um, a 4-2-3-1 with Gerard cutting in from the wing or something, but, but we have so many players who can, we have a lot of offensive options, so it seems to me going 4-4-2 makes the most sense. Um, you know, I think that, I mean, so that, so Robin, the, the deal, I, as I understand it is, is he's our all time record signing at 23 million, which is what, oh, Dort- which is what <laughs> Dortmund paid for him. Um, now having said that transfer mark has him valued at 40 some million. I mean, he's a player that he's, he's, he's certainly a big name you know, Spanish international player. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of excited about it because I think it's, I frankly think it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting, um, dynamic with him playing with Gerard, who are both on the national team. I think it puts a lot of pressure on our coach though. I mean, if we don't make Europe yeah, it, this. <laughs> You know, it, it seems almost to me like a, it's like a panic sign. It's like, oh, Valencia was sniffing around him. Let's just get him and jump in. I, like, I know I sound very cynical on this, but I just, I don't, I don't really understand it. Like it's, if you have 442, that, that's great and stuff. And yeah, we have Santi doing his thing, but then Trigueros has come, really come to form in that 433 role and that holding, he should be playing in just behind the two strikers who play 442. And where do we play Santa Gazzola? Where do we play Shaquazi? Where do we play Moy Gomez? Zangisa? Mm-hmm. Like all these players are just fantastic players. I just think it's, it's such a, it's a waste if you ask me, really. Um, and yes, the Spanish national, but then Ger- Gerard's confidence isn't great. It goes up, goes up and down really badly. And having signing this big striker alongside Gerard, who's not the most confident, but is a really good player. It, it just, for me, is going to knock Gerard's confidence. So I almost get the suggestion that maybe someone else is going to leave, some big, big name striker, maybe Gerard or, or Samu or something like that. It's just, it's just, it's just a bit suspicious to me, really. Um, but I mean, if he, if he does great, that's great. And I'm very happy for him. And I'm very, you know, if we win games, that's great. But I, I don't know. I currently quite like the squad and I like what the form we're in. So it just feels a bit unnecessary to me. Um, but it does seem, I mean, it does seem to me as though there's another shoe to drop. If it's not dropping in the next day, and I don't think it's likely, um, it drops in the summer. Um, and it, and whether or not it's, whether or not, I mean, it almost seems to me that we have said, okay, we know we've got this opportunity to get this guy now who is going to give us um, squad depth such that when somebody comes in for Samu or Gerard or who, you know, whoever it is that we don't have to go then go out and get somebody else. You know, I'm not sure that that's necessarily um, the best philosophy. I think it, but I think that's, probably part of what entered into it. And I think the other thing that entered into it is just that, you know, you look at it from a, from a business point of view, if you have an opportunity to pick up a, a big asset at half its value, why would you not do it? And I, mm. you know, I think that might be the other thing that's, that's entering into it. I think he's, you know, I think it, for me, I'm, I'm interested to see him, to see him, um, but I think it, I think it has to, I'm, I think it has to be in a 4-4-2. And as, as you were saying, it's like we've got a lot of players who can play somewhere. So where do we fit everybody? Well, here's yeah. the other question though. Um, it, Carlos Bach is completely cooked. I mean, he just, he doesn't have really 
anything that he's bringing to the table right now. I know he got a goal the other day. Great. I'm happy for him, but, um, just not, he's not anywhere near the caliber of player that we need at that striker role. And the other guy that we have is a 19 year old kid. So I kind of feel like the options were either go out and spend 10 million on a veteran, like a Zaza or something like that. Or we got the chance to go ahead and just go ahead and spend $20 million and get a player who is an asset that will not only be great on the pitch, but will hold his value for presumably the next four to five seasons. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, it, to me, and, yeah. I mean, to me, that's, that's a good point that I think the thing that's really got the odd man out in this and the, and the kind of the thing that we maybe have to figure out how to deal with in the summer We've got, we've got Baca who is in, I think he still has two more years on his contract after this. He's on a very high salary because we didn't pay much to bring him in from Milan and he was on a high salary there, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know it at some point. Uh, you know, I just don't see, I, I think he's, he's definitely the kind of striker who, Age takes a toll on him, and he's 35, right? Mm-hmm. And he's 33. Yeah. 33. Okay, playing like 35. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, but the other player is um, Unal, who's been on loan at Baba the lead. And you know, is this a prelude to us moving him somewhere? I don't know. I do think that if the, that if traditionally Viriel's choice in these matters has been to go for the cheap option you know i mean when 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 we were kind of working our way down and and i would see that oh okay we're considering simon zaza i mean that would have been the the usual virial deal but i would have been an absolute disaster because he's terrible um (laughs) (laughs) yeah we, we all remember that we all remember that penalty he did absolutely nothing in the game and when you followed his match report Basically, all he did, he came on for the game to take the penalty and messed it up. So, I mean, I, yeah, he had a good good season with Valencia, but I think he's diabolical myself. Uh, and I know I'm not supposed to be over-opinionated by him, but he was terrible. Um, and that was pulling it politely, really. Uh, but, yeah, sorry, I, I know what you mean. But, uh, I mean, to be honest, I, I would have preferred an owl just coming back. I, I really, you know, we had a, I mean, he's not the greatest striker, but he's definitely a second striker. And I'd rather see him and Jared up front. Like, yeah. well, I, I mean, I, I know I'm hitting on the guy. He just arrived and stuff, but. Yeah. No, I, I think we did ask um, Valadolid if we, if we, my understanding was that that was one of the first things we did was ask to see if we could break the loan and, and bring him back. And they said no, because they really need him. Um, so I think scoring, isn't he? Yeah. He hasn't been, he hasn't been scoring a lot, but he's, but apparently he's been, uh, you know, working well in their offense, though they don't score much. And whether that's due to him, I don't know. Um, the league plays such an awful defense. I mean, they're trying not to lose when you watch them play. So yeah. nobody's going to score a whole lot the way they play. Yeah, they basically use him as the target guy that they hope they can spray the ball forward to, and then he can um, do something with it. You know, I don't, I don't know that I would consider his um, statistics for them to be that representative. But um, you know, we've. Uh, the the other thing is, I mean, I hear you say, yeah, we could use a left back. Um, if Sid were here, he would be saying we could have signed another center back because you can never have too many center backs. But I don't think for whatever, you know, for whatever reason in this transfer window, there just hasn't been much movement of those sorts of players, has there? Uh, not that I can think of. I just I think it might have been priority on us, really. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of free agents. I mean, there's Danny Rose who just signed for Newcastle, who's a left back. Um, yeah, talk so, about wages. Yeah, oh no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest we go anywhere near Danny Rose, but like defenders, defenders, their prices have definitely gone up in, in, um, 
like defender. I mean, you look at Virgil Van Dijk; he's been sold for like seventy million. Obviously, he was he was a great signing and stuff. But like the defend, if when a price when a defender goes up to about seventy million, then you know that the price of the defenders are definitely going up, especially <laughs> sort of attacking wing back ones. I mean, I mean, obviously, I think we have a, probably have a lot of faith in um, in the two that we have, apart from Moreno, who's always off the pitch half the time. Um, I, I'm wondering what we might do with him if we will keep him. He seems almost like one of those players that's kind of like popular and great when they play but when they're injured all the time and I think we we definitely see players in that in that value you know Arthur and Roig is a is a businessman so and they do see that if he's not getting his money back on those players then mm-hmm. uh, so it'd be interesting would I mean we didn't really sign a centre back because we we took that chap from the second team aren't we um, I can't remember his name sorry oh well, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chuck yeah yeah I'm not sure. I mean, to be fair, Funes Mori's had quite a few good games the last last couple of ones. He seems to work quite well with uh, Albiola. I didn't think I'd ever say that. Um, but yeah, he, he seems to be doing pretty well recently. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I, I agree that he's been playing well, but Funes Mori, he's on the edge of disaster all the time, if that makes any sense. And like, he, it seems like when he's handling the ball in the back, he always takes a couple extra touches, and I'm just Waiting for the time that it's going to burn him and something stupid's going to happen. I don't know. He makes me nervous. Uh, that's Argentinian's defenders for you. They're too attacking-minded in their own heads, so they see everyone else in front of them and they sort of. He looks like a. It looks like a sort of mafia boss as well. That haircut. I think he needs to get a haircut. Um, it's almost <laughs> like a Peter Andre sort of '90s curtains curl thing. But I think someone might need to have a word with him about that. Um, that's probably why he couldn't be moved on in the club. They saw his hairstyle and thought, nah, nah we're not going to bother with that. <laughs> Oh, that's it. it. Okay. That's good. Well, the thing that I always find amusing about Funes Mori is like he's a tall, he's a tall guy that can't win the ball in the air. Mm. When he jumps, I'm never quite sure how far, how he, how he's going to come down. Um, I'm sure he doesn't either. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, of course, Zach, um, you, you saw him playing for Everton. So you, uh, you have, you have a lot of experience watching his adventures, but yeah, he has. Huh? I said a lot of nightmares. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But he's he's done he's done better of late. I mean, we do have a pretty good record at rehabbing um, uh, defenders who have, you know, I'm thinking of Ruiz and and who gave us some some good years. And I'm uh, apparently Alvaro Gonzalez has taken to um, Marseille like a duck to water. I mean, he's he's even scoring goals and and all the things. I saw a highlight reel that he had, they had out and it was like everything he did for us was there. It was all the same crazy rushes and lunges and everything and people are loving it. So well, that's part of that's because the French league's not very good, but yeah. Uh, you can get away with more craziness in a league where there's less talent, especially attacking talent. Yeah. 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 I would agree with that. Um, That's quite rich coming from the American side of things, but yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, they call the American League the graveyard of players uh, over here. Not saying, not to offend anyone, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, I, we're, I, I'm an American here talking about La Liga for a reason. So <laughs> <laughs> same here, same here. Um, okay, let's let's take a quick break and then we'll we'll continue talking about what we think this might mean for the summer and what we but probably we should talk about what what it means for the second half of the season that's left. So we'll, we'll be right back after this. Okay. So we so we talked about um so let's we've we've identified some what what the hell is going on and well it's really cool but what the hell is going on kind of things but where does this, you know, you, you mentioned, um, Robin, that you thought the team was playing very well now. Um, where does this put us? I feel like it puts a lot of pressure on, on, uh, Javi Kaleja because if we don't make Europe with, um, with the lineup we have now, uh, I don't know. I'm, I, I feel like you're, anybody that looks at the team is going to say there's one thing holding us back and that's the coach. It, it might be very much that. I mean, we've had such an up and down season where we've been on a run of form and then we haven't been on a run of form. So it's going to be very up and down as well. And I think like all the teams around us are, are going up and down. So I'm not really sure. It's, it's kind of, it's very, very unclear, but it's almost kind of quite exciting. I feel like we're in, we're at a good level, a good 
a good place at the moment to really press on and get and get those European places. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't see how it will work, how it, how it won't work. I think Kayeka, he's obviously still got the faith of the ball and stuff, and we've had some good games recently. I mean, that, that last game, that league game was pretty good, actually. I really enjoyed watching that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cracking goal by Fernino. I mean, <laughs> um, I, I must admit, I thought the game was dead in the water, and then he then he produced that, and Trigueiro assisted again. Mm-hmm. Um, so another man watched for performance from him. So I think we just... We're, we're gonna, I think we're gonna go on a better run of form than we were when we were on a run of form last season, if that makes sense. So if we, the three games last season where we were on a good run of form, if, I think we'll have a longer run of form now. So I'm rambling a bit, but, and I think that, that will be more spectacular. So I think we could definitely push for those European places. I'm not saying Champions League, but definitely one of the European places. I don't see any reason why not. Uh, and actually, I don't think this, this signing will have much too much impact on that. I think we'll, we'll probably still be doing it anyway. Um, so hopefully we can do that and Kayaka gets, gets all the praise and deserve. But then maybe, as you Americans say, that's probably the last chance saloon. Uh, maybe that's the end of uh, his run if he doesn't make that. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Mm. I, I think that we have to make Europe. I mean, if you're going to go spend 20, over 20 million on a striker in, in, January and you're sitting, you know, just outside of European places making Europe is an essential. But I, I honestly think that the current run of form, I think the results have been better than the football. I, I really, I, there's so many games lately that I've been watching where I'm like, man, like, man, just, we're just not playing very well at all. And then, you know, in the second half, you know, Fernino, uh, Fernino comes on and scores a great goal or, you know, like something, happens late in the second half after we play 50 minutes, 50 minutes to an hour of just abysmal football. So I'm kind of hoping that Paco showing up adds some inspiration to what we're doing so that the the performances match the results. Yeah, that's a good point. I think one thing that's interesting is that we have tended to fall into sort of a – we have a lot of options off the bench, and sometimes – it almost feels like after about 20 or 30 minutes watching the game, you're thinking, okay, now what are the changes we need to make around the hour mark? You know, um, yeah, it, it would be nice to, I, I think it does give us the, hopefully the opportunity to, to press on and get some and start sort of blowing teams away a little bit. I think, I think the, um, in the first half of the season, we definitely had some results where we thought we were play, we played better than the result indicated. But, um, you know, it's it's always in a, in we seem to be playing a lot of two to one matches and and things like that where the difference between one and three points is really on on a knife's edge. Yeah. Um, I think about our best result. The, the the result that stands out to me lately was the uh was when we beat Sociedad. I thought that was the best win that we've had recently. And in that game, we we were getting mowed over for the first half hour. Right. And and then it was like all of a sudden they wake woke up. They're like, oh, well, we actually need to do something here. We came back and won. And I just I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm hoping that Paco provides Kaleha tactical options that he doesn't have right now that allows us to take over games from the start and not wait till we get punched in the mouth. Mm, that's a good point. Mm. And of course we we've had after the first part of the season where we didn't have too many injuries, we, you know, Gerard being out um well, Alberto Moreno has been in and out in and out the whole time. And now we've been without Pal Torres. So I feel kind of like if we can make it through this period with without Pal and um and hopefully Gerard will be back soon. I don't know if he's gonna be available this weekend or not, but um you know, hopefully he'll be back soon. If we can do that and kind of weather the storm, I think we look reasonably good. I, um the teams Around us, um, I know Sevilla signed um, Suso, right, from Milan. But the Sevilla fans are feel are scratching their heads even more at that. I mean, they had they already had lots of people playing on the wing. What they needed was a striker who could finish, and they signed another winger. So 
I think they're even more confused than we are. <laughs> and I don't know, I don't think athletic club, of course, usually do much in the market in the winter. And has Atafe done anything to speak of? They sold, they sold a central midfielder, but I don't think they bought anybody. Yeah. Yeah. The, the big buyers in the market have been Espanol. Right. And we caught, we, we had the joy of catching them as soon as they started doing that mess. So we ended up getting a result that looks worse when it happened than it probably will by the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they've, so they're the, they're the team that's really spent the most, but that's basically to try to get out of relegation. Um, which. That's, that's pretty normal though, like, for, so, like mid-season, if people do that, it's, an, it's always like a panic buying thing. And those players need a season to gel together, they need a pre-season to gel together. I mean, you, you remember when we did that, we bought, like one season we bought so many players and that was just like, Kayeka's first season and it just took so long for them to gel. That was practically the season we were nearly relegated. So I don't think that's really going to help them too much. Um, yeah, I, I can't see us doing any more major business. Well, I re- really, I mean, like I said, I'd love to have a left back, but other than that, I think we're pretty good. Do we, do we know how long Gerard's actually supposed to be? I mean, is there any suggestion that this, this signing is more because Gerard's going to be out longer than that as well? I don't, I don't know. I haven't really heard anything about. What's That's the situation? Question. I don't, I don't, all I have seen, I have not seen anything that says anything other than the usual, you know, pending evolution of the player, you know, pending recovery. I haven't seen anything that suggested it was a significant injury, but it sounded like one of those muscle injuries that could be two weeks, four weeks, you know, you just don't know. And, and as long as it's not as bad as Cascaris's back injury, but I mean he's been trying, you know, like there's this this Cascaris injury, like which is incredible, like he's so amazing that he's so injured on his back that he's actually training. It's incredible. Um, so maybe something like that. <laughs> oh yeah, although I think now we've we've transferred him to uh, Club America in Mexico. Oh, have we? I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah. I think we. I, oh, I have not seen. I have not seen terms of it. I think it may just be. <laughs> But apparently his back is well enough to travel on the plane to Mexico. Oh, right. Okay. Well, I mean, I hope he has medical help getting there, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A wheelchair to the airport, you know. Yeah. It's such a shame. He's such a good player. Really great player. I really liked him a lot. Oh, that's a, that's, that, 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 that's really amazing. I think my, my, um, feeling is he's the, he is a player who I felt really badly for because I think we bought him to play a role he was not suited to play. I think he mm. did very well as the player that he is. I think we wanted a player who was about three or four inches taller and much more physical. Definitely, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, to be fair, he had his physicality, but I completely agree on the height thing. We wanted someone like Amgisa or Igora, yeah. didn't we? Yeah. Um, and it's like, and that's, and you know, that's who we went out and bought and, and uh, you know, I felt really badly for the guy because I really liked him. I thought he was, a, I thought he was mm-hmm. a good, good hustler. I liked the way he, I liked the way he he played. And um, I thought, you know, it was unfortunate that it wasn't. It, he he just wasn't the. It, we signed the wrong player. That's that's all you can say. We we signed somebody, and it was a bit of a panic thing after Rodri left, and we um, signed him thinking that. We could make him into the next Rodri, and that's just not the player that he is. No, well, there's a massive height difference there for one thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Massive height difference and massive difference in just body. I mean, Rodri. I always thought the thing that was so amazing about him was not just that he was he was a big guy, but he used his body very effectively. You know, he would sort of block you off with his butt very well to to, to recover the ball. And, you know, Santi. Very much like, uh, Busquets, wasn't he, really? Yeah, Santi yeah. as well. As... And, and Santi is, um, you know, uh, Caceres was just not that kind of player. I mean, he's, he's oh. a player who's going to go into the tackle with you and, and try or try and push you off the ball more directly, but he's not, he doesn't, he doesn't have the size to, to, uh, do that uh, all that effectively continually. But, you know, I hope that he, I hope that it works out okay for him because I felt like, you know, it's not often I say that, you know, a player would have been better off if we, if we hadn't signed him 
from um, both points of view, but I just I just felt badly for him, and you know because it just wasn't he wasn't the player we should have signed. The the good news is if he plays well at Club America, I think he'll get a chance back in Europe because um, yes. Liga MX is a really good it, – it's a really good league in terms of quality. It, it's just one of the worst run leagues in the world, so it doesn't get as much notoriety as it should. Yeah, but you're right. If, if he does well there, um, he'll probably get some opportunities. And, of course, we seem to have a real um, – Yeah, I think so as well. We have, have a real pipeline with them. That's where we sent Leo Suarez also. So, right. Um, yeah, and I guess – is that where um, Gio Dos Santos has ended up now? I can't remember. I know I kind of lost track. Yeah, yeah, kind of lost track of him after the galaxy let him go. I think everyone did. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah, well, he had one great season for us anyway. Um, yeah, it was a impressive season, if I remember rightly. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think overall, I mean, I think looking at it, you're right. Pushing into Europe seems like a pretty, a pretty good deal. And we're still, I mean, we're in the final eight of the Copa, which may not sound like a whole lot, but I saw today, that, I mean, Villarreal have historically been terrible in the Copa. And even when we had our, you know, teams under Pellegrini, we, weren't very good in the Copa. So this is like the seventh year out of 46 that we've made it to the final eight. Or the sixth oh, so year. Speaking of the Copa, uh, as we're recording this, Mirandes is up 2-0 on Sevilla. Oh, really? Wow. So so we, we, we finally got, after a round where it seemed like all the magic of the cup died, we might finally have somebody that we actually want to draw next round. Well, except that we played Mirandes in the Copa back in 2012, and that's that was the team that beat us in the Copa, and then we sacked our coach. So, <laughs> well, you know, but you know, look, look, Zaragoza had beat Real Madrid six-one last time they played him, and that worked out okay yesterday. So yeah, maybe that's, we'll- that's true. Yeah, it did. Yeah, actually, that was that was the thing that surprised me. Um, talking about the Copa was that I that was my upset pick of the round because Zaragoza had been playing really well um, in the Segunda. I thought that would be much more of a game than it was. And Madrid, you know, give them credit, took took it to them. Barcelona won easily today. Um, Valencia won on penalties, so we nearly had a bit more cup magic yesterday, but. And I was just glad we escaped with a win. Let's take it a quick It was quite break. a good win, wasn't it? It was a great, great five, ten minutes, if I remember right. Yeah. <laughs> just those two goals came in. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's take another real quick break and then let's talk about Fer Nino because we haven't talked about him yet. Okay. So, so Fair, for those who are, who are, um, late to the party here, so his his dad is a former La Liga player, right? And he was playing for our C team, um, not even the B team. Um, he got called up basically after Gerard got hurt. And um, then he comes on at Alaves. Was it his first touch of the ball? It might have been. And scores the winning goal. Yeah, it was darn well near his first touch of the ball. I think that's what the commentator said. It was his first touch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. quite a first touch. Yeah, and the, and watching the the replay of it, I mean, it was it was quite a. It wasn't just gee, I happen to be lucky and in the right place at the right time. I mean, it, it was a, a really good. It was an excellent through ball from Trigueros, um to him, or excellent pass from Trigueros to him, but. The the way he he controlled the ball and set himself up for the shot was really great. And then yesterday the same it was the same duo, right? Wasn't it Trigueros again with the pass? Yeah, I was thinking that at the time. Yeah, it was, but it was a cross, so I'm not quite sure what Trigueros was doing on the right wing. But uh, fair play to him; it was a good pass, and it was it was a nice little easy goal. Very much a poacher's finish, wasn't it? Sort of very yeah. Ruben esque yeah, so, that one was definitely that one was definitely a a, uh, a poacher's goal. Where it's like I I see myself on the on the correct side of a defender. I'm going to stick my leg out, and there it goes in the net. <laughs> yeah. So credit to him. But, 
Like, <laughs> in, his, in his first couple of appearances here, I think his movement without the ball has actually been his best trait. Mm-hmm. And a 19-year-old who already understands how to move without the ball is somebody that can score a lot of goals over his career. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right, because that's your that's that's usually the hard thing to learn. And I that was what I liked so much about Gerard Moreno when he came up that year we were in the Segunda and and that was the thing you immediately noticed about him too, is he was he was a um his movement off the ball was really, really good. I think Gerard is more this is why I like anybody playing with Gerard, because I think he can he can play he can make anybody better because he's willing to move around the pitch to do what he needs to do to make, you know, to fit in, um, which is why I think all of us are kind of interested to see how he does with, with Alcacer. But yeah, I mean, Nino is, um, you can't ask for more than two substitute appearances and two winning goals, right? Well, and I, I, just, I think the important part is temporary expectations because he's not going to keep doing that. No, but. it's not. He's not, and it and it does give us a, um, you know, it, it does give us a nice conundrum in the summer, I guess, as to as to what what to do with him. Do we, you know, on the assumption that the B team doesn't progress to back to the Segunda, do we loan him out to a Segunda side, or you know, does he play in the Segunda B, which is probably not the greatest thing in the world. On the other hand then you're controlling his minutes and you know he's going to get a lot of them. So, and he's only 19, right? Right. So, so there's time for him to develop. Um, you know, I think we all remember players who maybe not to the same extent, but players who came up, got a, got a couple of, um, substitute appearances in and, and, uh, got a few starts and, and looked good for a bit and, and then faded out. So I don't, mean to suggest he's one of those players but you know caution after you know you have a very limited sample size here so i mean we've also we've got like i mean you could could, he's either going to end up basically like a jared Jared moreno being loaned out and coming back into the squad and growing as a player or he's going to end up being basically like samu and just playing all the time and quite early quite young i mean samu's only a year older than him uh, obviously, Samuel's played quite a lot, so we just we just assume he's sort of part of the squad, but he's incredibly young um, mm-hmm. as well. So, I mean, Samuel needs a lot needs to develop a lot. Like he needs to learn how to defend slightly, but um, he's still like a first team player. So, I, I I would personally, in an ideal world, and I'm again sorry, I'm hacking on our new sign, but I would have liked to have just seen him, you know, given a second, like Gerard, first team striker, and then Fernino second, him and Baka sort of fighting for second team place because I think. You know, yes, yeah, so I don't, I don't want to overhype him because that just ruins players' careers very early, very young. Um, I think a few of our commentators sort of pointed that out on the, on when we were talking about it. Um, but I would have liked to have seen him given a chance. You know, if he's a young player, sometimes young players really do prosper from that much playing time, even if it is a second striker sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he seems quite quite developed, as we said. He seems quite mature for what he does on the football pitch already. Um, so I, I hope we give him a bit more chance. I hope we don't just loan him out. I hope. I don't, I don't know. Um, it'd be interesting to see what happens. I mean, maybe possibly Samu might leave in the in the summer or this period. You never know. Jara goes back onto that sort of right wing. I'll I'll let whatever his name is in the centre. Um, and that that could I, I could see that working. I'd like to see the four three three with Gerard in the centre. Um, Gerard on the right wing and that there, and then you've got like Moy Gomez on the left again or Santi. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's um it'll be interesting to see what what transpires. I think Nino himself is you know, he sounds like he's got his head um screwed on the right way and is is definitely not not um assuming he said, Yeah, you know, this is great, but I mean I think he's figuring he's gonna play for the B team mostly and that's that's probably true. Um I think the real question is where you know, where the B team ends up I say this every year is like we we got relegated from the Segunda not because the B team were in the bottom places but because the first team got relegated all those years ago and we've never been able to make it back and every year you look and you say gee if only we were in the Segunda then we would because if if we could make it to the Segunda you know it would be easy to to put him 
you know, giving him, give him experience playing in the Segunda. And then you could, you could easily bring him up whenever you, whenever you wanted for the first team. It's, uh, it's, it's much more difficult when you've got that jump all the way down to Segunda B. The, the quality is, is, is different for sure. So yeah, it's, it's been, um, it's, it's, it's it's interesting. I I'm kind of excited, I have to say, about Alcacer, but I'm but I'm also when I sit down and try to figure out where everybody plays, I'm a little bemused. I just think we had to be. I just think it was an opportunity we couldn't pass up. Mm, I agree. Yeah. Um, because I think the if one thing that we're seeing in this market uh, is that if we wait until the summer. If we, if we say, okay, well, let's go, let's go until the summer and then we'll try and figure out what to do then. Um, yeah, we might sell a Samu or we might sell somebody for, for big money, but the, but prices just keep going up and up and up. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, when I, I mean, don't forget, we also asked about strikers from Alaves. We asked about Lucas Perez, who's like 31, right? right. So you're basically getting a, uh, more of a kind of a not as fast uh, Baca, but two years younger and not as you know not as, as successful overall. You know, and their attitude was, oh, you know, he's, his uh, release clause is twenty million. You could pay us that. So, I mean, why would we do that? <laughs> and and we got we got Alcacer for three three million more. So, I think mm-hmm. I think you know, in, in a sense, it's like we basically traded in Toko Ikambi for a better player at a bit more money, but the same issue with Toko Ikambi of playing time may still apply here. It's just, you know, it's a question of who gets the playing, t- who, who gets, um, the bench because presumably Alcacer is, he, one thing he gives that we, that we don't have otherwise is a really good finisher. I, um, I think if you end up playing two up top, um, Chiquese is actually the one that ends up going to the bench because I think what you end up doing is not really a four four two, but more of a four three one two, and then you and then Chiquese ends up being an, a substitute off the bench player. Which, which in fairness, I mean that that might be a has he has his game improved that much this year? Who Chiquese? Yeah. I thought it improved a lot last year, but I don't, I haven't seen it as, as much this he's, year. He's certainly passing a bit more. I think I saw that in the, in the Copper game the other day, like that he sort of basically assisted, uh, Santi Gazzola. So someone's clearly had a word about his passing with him. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't seem quite as greedy as last year. I mean, that might just be his age, his maturity, you know, when he's gone with the games. I, don't, I think last year, he had the opportunity to shine a bit more because we really weren't playing that well at all. Like this year, we, like I said, we're, we're not playing amazingly, but I think everyone else is playing up to scratch now. Um, so I don't think he shined quite as much as as last season myself. Um, some of the goals he scored have been pretty spectacular and some of the runs, he's, so he's fairly similar to attacking mine. I think he's just adapted his game slightly, being more slightly more defensive and passing more, which is quite good. Um, but like, as we know of all goal scorers, that element of greed never ever goes until they lose their pace completely. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, I think we, we probably could sell him for quite a good lot of money anyway. So if we do sell Samu, then this signing probably won't seem quite as much. You know, if we sell Samu for like 60 million, obviously we played our, our for, for 24 million, so then there's a lot of money around there to sort of move and maneuver it around and maybe reinforce the rest of the squad. But I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Samu did go for big money in the, in the summer. Mm-hmm. I, I just think he's kind of, he, at the start of the season, he was a player who was really making his impact coming off the bench. And I feel like in a lot of matches when he starts, he has moments, but I find myself thinking he might, he was having as many moments when he was Coming off the bench, so I don't know. Yeah, I completely agree. I think I think Moy Gomez is almost similar in that sense as well. He was better when you brought him off. Well, I don't know. Moy's Moy's still got that problem in inconsistency. So he just disappears for large amounts of the game, and then suddenly appears on the scene and does really well. So it's it's really interesting. But like I said, with I I agree with you. I think they are better as impact players, but 
is, is Samu going to be an like? Would he would he accept being put it on the bench as well? I, I can't see him being it because he the only reason he's still at VRL is because of playing time. That's the only reason. So no one signed him or want into him is because he they know he's getting plenty of playing time. He's developing at VRL. Um, so that's but I mean in a in a horrible way and quite almost kind of agreeing with what you're saying. I think it, I would like to see him on the bench again. I'd like him to see him coming back on and, like you said, making those impact subs at, at 60 minutes and bringing him on could really change the game. And it's really helped in the past. And like you said, I'll, I'll, whatever his name is, um, with him signing on there, he might bring a more consistency with the finishing. Um, so yeah, um, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> uh, I'm like, like you, I'm completely bemused by it in a, and I'm interested to see what will happen. Yeah, and Zach and I were talking earlier too about, you know, the pressures that, that the Nigerians put on their players overseas. I mean, you know, it's like every game that, that Virial plays, if, if, if Chukwesi scores, there, there'll be three articles telling him, you know, sign for Liverpool. If he doesn't score, there'll be three articles telling him to sign for Arsenal or something. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it, it, it's a much bigger news cycle there than it is, you know, than it is here because they don't have as many players, young players overseas to focus on. So, you know, I'm sure he's hearing all this stuff. I'm sure he's does, you know, I mean, he's, he, he's a, you know, young guy. Uh, so, you know, I don't know if it turns out that he gets less playing time. Is that going to make a difference in the long run? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that he seems to me to be a player who, when he starts, do we get 90 really good creative minutes out of him? No, we get we we get some, but definitely less than 90. And when we bring him on after 60 minutes, we tend to get 30 minutes worth. That's my opinion. But Zach, you have anything else to add on our on our uh, dilemmas here? I I, I just I, I really think that. Um the option is to go back to the formation that Kaleha used the first time he was here, where you've got one kind of holding midfielder and two central midfielders ahead of him. And they, they kind of, um, they force the opposition wide when we're in defense. And then when we get into attack, having two strikers up top, um, forces open space in the middle of the field that lets Sandy Cazorla tear people up. I mean, I think, I think that's really the best option here, and I think it just – you let Chukwesi come off the bench. And if that makes him play angry, that's fine. And if he ends up trying to force a move and we get $40 million or something for him this summer, that's fine too. And, and just – I think if we do that, getting into Europe will be no problem at all. Okay. I, I, yeah, I kind of I kind of feel like – I think it's a good point that we what we've needed to do is sort of open up the middle of the pitch more for Santi and, and I think for, um, for Trigueros as well. Um, so hopefully this, this will do that. I mean, traditionally, of course, Villarreal played a 4 4 2, although it was more of a, a rigid 4 4 2 with the double pivot and, you know, you had Marcos Senna or then later Bruno in the, in the midfield. But we've, you know, the, the team's DNA has always been a 4 4 2. It's only been in, in the last couple of years that we've done anything really different. Um, and of course, Marcelino doesn't know there's any formation other than a 4-4-2. So. <laughs> it certainly worked under him, didn't it? Um, it then you've got it was like, a attacking 4-4-2. Yeah, it worked really well. I mean, that was a very exciting year sort of thing, but then, um, yeah, so I mean, we, we suppose we would have Ebora. Who would we have in that centre holding role now? It'd probably be Ebora over on Zambu. I'm assuming that we're not going to actually spend all that money on Zambu in the summer. So maybe that's what they're trying to do as well. They just have Ebora there, Santi Cazola and Trigueros in front of him, and like you said, the rest sort of speaks for itself. So um, it'd be interesting to see what actually happens. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, let's see. I guess that's the other thing is I. Uh, if we sign Zambo for for his release option, which is twenty five million, then he becomes our biggest ever signing. Um, I I really like him. I kind of would like to see us sign him, but because I don't think Ibora is really more of a holding midfielder. I think he's more of a box to box type guy. I don't I don't think he is really a 
defensive midfielder in the way that that um, that Zombo is, but he gives you a lot of he gives you a lot of different options when he's when he's playing. Um, uh, and he can he can go forward and help with the attack. He's definitely good at winning headers, those sorts of things. But I don't know. I mean, I think if we, I think we we probably still have the money to sign Anguisa in summer. I don't think we made the decision today that we're going to buy this guy instead, and so we're not going to do it. Um, but historically, in the summer, we've had somebody come in for one of our players for good money. That has happened each of the last few seasons. You know, last year it was um, Fornals. Uh-huh. Um, I guess one question that I frankly haven't even thought about and don't know what the potential answer to might be is with um, the whole Brexit thing, how that ultimately parcels out in terms of English side signing continental players. I don't know if that will ultimately make a difference. I'm sure it won't in the short term, but I don't know, because so much of the summer market is driven by EPL teams. No, no offense, Robin, but there are not enough good English players for all that money that the EPL has to just be <laughs> focused on English players. They have to. I don't blame you. I agree completely. I think the English players are the most overrated players in the world, to be honest with you. Look at Jack Wilshire, Oxlade Chamberlain, Raheem Sterling's alright, but yeah, no, most English players are completely overrated and their, their costs are driven up because English players need to buy their they need, need like a quota of English players in their squad. So look mm-hmm. at Man City. They, they've got um, Phil Foden, who they never bloody play. Um, <laughs> they've got so many good, pl- so many good players in the ranks and stuff like that. But these players are interviewed. But then it, it'll be interesting to see that if Brexit happens. Obviously, we're going to have to keep Europe happy. Uh, I'm very pro Remain, so uh, yeah, I'm quite depressed by it. But um, basically, I imagine that we'll probably be loaning so many players into Europe just to kind of convince the world that we're still keen on Europe so um, <laughs> I, I'm really not sure, I don't think anyone's really considered it, I think a lot of people that voted for Brexit probably are massive football fans but didn't really quite realise that the impact it's going to have on our league um, and all these signings and all the money and why would people want to come to Europe when they think that people are just going to you know, give any kind of foreigner a hard time on the football pitch, <laughs> I don't know it's it's ridiculous really but um, yeah, no, I completely agree no, no offence taken at all because I'm, I'm a massive VRL fan I don't follow the English Football League at all <laughs> I follow the English national team but I always end up being miserable so I try to stop doing that now um, right. you, think, you think you're miserable at least you get to be miserable watching your team in the World Cup yeah <laughs> yeah the, the US you know I mean how how we well <laughs> let's not even go there um, but yeah so so we start out Talking about our, our uh, record transfer, and we ended up talking about Brexit. So it's it's a it's another wonderful Virial USA podcast train wreck. Um, <laughs> so I think we'll wind it up here for today. I'm sure we'll have a lot more, um, and I do want to sit down and really properly introduce Zach. Um, we'll have to do we'll do, do that another time since this is has gone um, as long as it has, and we still have to get in our roundtable after our. Next um, series of games, we said we were going to get back and review how we actually did. So um, a lot of stuff. A lot, it's, it, I guess the way I look at it is having been um, a Virial for, fan for a long time and having seen these sorts of rumors um, never pan out. It's kind of it's kind of exciting um, to see Alcacer joining us and and uh you know i've got to figure out we'll we'll figure out how to use him and how to how to get things how to how to go ahead and get into europe so i'm i'm optimistic um we'll see how it all works out so this is alan for robin and zach saying endevant virial and uh and you know you can um, listen to all our podcasts you can subscribe um via all these fancy ways and and uh you know, so we hope you enjoy us. Thanks a lot.